gonna call your, you are gonna call your parents when you get home and tell them I picked the right pig. <laughs> so you're you are gonna call your, you are gonna call your, <laughs> you are gonna call your some crowns. Hey kids, so here's what we're gonna be doing today. How many of you have heard of the person named Moses? Raise your hand if you have heard of Moses. Some of you aren't kids, but I appreciate your hands up. Tracy, thanks again. Good, Pope, awesome. Oh, I'm sorry, little ones. Thank you, Lori. Little babies uh, or, or somewhat small, like this tall, four years and younger. Uh, Climbers is open. The rest of you, you're going to hang out with us. So that's available for you. Kids, today we're talking about Moses. Let me ask you again. Kids, how many of you have ever heard of this man named Moses? Raise your hand. Some of you. Quite a few of you. Lots of you, hands not up. So here's what we're going to do. Moses was a great man, but we're not going to talk about Moses as a man. We're going to talk about Moses as a baby. Okay? And it's specifically what we're going to be talking about is a child, probably in her teens, who finds Moses, and we're going to allow the Bible to tell the story, and then we're going to pick it apart and answer some questions. So uh, follow on the screen. There will be some images for you, and uh, this is important. We have a prize box out there. In order for you, if you're fifth grade and younger, to claim something out of the prize box, you just have to go after the service to the Pope and let him know what last week's sermon was about. So that's a hint. You have all day, all morning to figure out uh, from a neighbor, if you missed last week, give them, get, have them give you the rundown, and then you can go there and get a prize, okay? All right, here we go. From Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1, here's how the story goes. Now, a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar. It's a papyrus. It's not? Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds. The kids were supposed to catch it, not you, intern. He's like, excuse me. And coated it with tar and pitch. She then placed the child in the papyrus and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, go figure. And she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the the baby and she nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. 
And she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. This story often is about Moses, and rightfully so. Moses is the most important figure. But there's a hidden person in this that often doesn't get much notoriety, and that is Pharaoh's daughter. Think about it just for a moment. Think about Pharaoh's daughter. Have you ever wondered and noticed that this unbelievably powerful girl in the Bible is written and described to us without a name? We don't know who she is. In fact, if you read historians and theologians, there are a lot of thoughts on who, what her name might have been. But we don't know for a fact what her name is. In fact, we don't even find out much more about her in the Bible. We read about her in historical documents, but we don't read much more about her in the Bible. This is Pharaoh's daughter, seemingly the most influential person, woman, in all of Egypt. And she is not remembered for her unusual style of governing and her rule once she becomes queen. She is not known for her reign as one of Egypt's most dynamic queens, nor is she signified as one of the most prolific builders in all of Egypt's history. She is all of those, an unbelievably powerful woman, but she's not known for those things. According to the Bible, her most significant accomplishment is finding a baby in the river and then raising this child, a boy who had been assigned to be murdered by her father. Kids, what has happened prior to this is Pharaoh has announced for all the baby boys to be killed. And this daughter of his finds a baby boy and she takes care of him, providing for him and giving him what we learn later on is excellent education that God then turns around and uses to teach Moses so that he can go back to Pharaoh one day in order for his people to be let go. She's only mentioned in the Bible in these five verses. So you might wonder, well, why are we spending so much time on someone who's just briefly mentioned? Why are, we, why are we talking about someone who's just mentioned in five verses in the entire Bible? Why don't we move on to someone who uh, occupies much more of the Bible? Why aren't we talking about Paul? Why aren't we talking about Peter? Why don't we talk about John or, or even Timothy? Why aren't we doing those things? It's interesting. God does not provide her with a name, nor does the writer of the book of Exodus who happens to be Moses. He obviously knows her name, but the name is not given. Now, I want to ask you kids, what if you didn't have a name? How would people get a hold of you? How would people reference you? I want to ask you kids right now, if you didn't have a name, what would you like to be called? Gideon? It, 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 forever it shall be, Pope, it. Okay, somebody else, How, what would you like to be called? A cat. Cat. Doing a great job raising your children. Cat. 
cat, please come here. Right? No, you don't have to. I'm just giving an example. All right, somebody else. How would you like to be referred? Think about it. You don't have a name, but you need to be referred to as something. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody, come here. Somebody else, an adult, let me know. What, what would you have your reference be? Your majesty. Your majesty. Wow. You must have been on the red team. Red pig member right over there. Your majesty, thus saith from now moving forward. How's that going to go over, Grace? <laughs> a smile and a nod. Think about it for a second. If you didn't have a name, how do people refer to you? Your name means a lot. Your name, at least in biblical times, defined you. When you were given a name in the Bible, you were often thought about what the name means before you thought about the name. In today's days, we just go, oh man, I love that name. What's it mean? Death? Ugh. All right, well, we just won't tell anybody because we still really love that name. It goes sweet with our last name. In the Bible, it was the opposite. You would look at what the name defines, what it means, and then bless that onto a child. It defined you. It created you. If people heard your name, they immediately grew an understanding of who you are just based on that name. Now think of it for a moment. You don't have a name. And if you don't have a name, you don't have a meaning. And if you don't have meaning, you don't have purpose. And often what happens in, in our culture, now let's shift to present day, is we often think less of ourselves. We look down upon ourselves of unimportant, of, of meaningless, of uh, no one really cares about me, or, or I'm not going to do great things. Now imagine you don't even have a name, and people just say it, or cat, <laughs> or nobody. Immediately, an opinion is cast. This is a crazy story, but here's, what, here's where the story gets even more crazy, kids. Moses' birth take pla takes place during the most horrific time up to date of Moses' life, where little children are literally being killed every day. <laughs> just because they're a baby boy. This is happening everywhere. And without getting too graphic, I, I don't want to accentuate this, but I do want to make this point. It is not a great place to be. There are smells, there are images, there are screams, there are noises. It's not good what's currently going on. And Moses is born about 1,500 years before Jesus, and he's placed in a basket. I have a basket. He's placed in a papyrus. <laughs> but he's placed in a basket. This is wicker. It's not papyrus. He's placed in a basket that's been hand-woven 
uh, and he's put into the Nile, probably with tears and, and heartbreak, maybe some padding around him. And he's placed in this river, and, and then he's shoved away from shore. All because his family's trying to avoid Pharaoh's orders that all the boys are to be put to death. The magnitude of what we're discussing here is enormous. Now, some of you kids know the story, so I want to ask, and, and if not, then we'll go to some of the adults. Who can tell me why Pharaoh was going to such extremes to kill the baby boys? Can anybody tell me that? We'll go kids first. Yeah. All right, you have good stuff to say, so I want to come to you. Say it again. Did you read my sermon? <laughs> you sit in my office as I'm writing this? You sure? You yeah, you can come up and preach with me. <laughs> Said the Hebrews were becoming too popular. Their numbers were growing. They were increasing. And he was afraid that as, as they continued to get power, that they would overthrow him. And literally, if you come up and read my notes, that is exactly <laughs> what I say. It was supposed to go on longer. <laughs> So thank you for just speeding this up a little bit. <laughs> if they weren't checked, according to this young man, if they weren't checked, they could grow in power and authority and eventually Pharaoh was going to be in danger. But there's more. Pharaoh also was a firm believer in prophecies. Pharaoh was a firm believer in knowing the scriptures he was a firm believer in knowing history, and he knew something that a lot of other people knew. He knew the foretelling of a Hebrew man who would lift up his nation above the Egyptians. And according to Josephus, the ancient documents that he writes and that he's a part of, here's what the scribes warned the Egyptian pharaohs, that there would be a child born to the Israelites who were who if he were reared that means if he were raised he would bring the egyptian dominion low and would raise the israelites that he would excel all men in virtue and obtain glory that would be remembered through all ages we don't read this in the bible it's not in the bible this is from josephus and the scribes from many 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 years prior but pharaoh knows this is coming it may not happen during his reign, but this is going to happen during a Pharaoh's reign. And he's afraid, oh my goodness, that boy might be in the midst of all this. Not only are they getting more power, to your point, and, and, and growing in numbers, but this prediction might be in the mix of that. So I've got to get rid of all of these babies. And I wonder, does this sound sim similar to another baby born? 1,500 years after this, when murderous rampages are ordered by King Herod for all male children under the age of two to be killed. Does that sound familiar? We celebrate it at Christmas. This is the exact scenario that Jesus is born into. 
And so back to our story, knowing that their entire family could be destroyed if they were caught, they would absolutely be taken away from their family and killed. Moses' parents made the difficult decision to trust God with their son and sent him down the river in a basket. The, the basket that, that we tend to see is, uh, the content is, is made from water plants. And what they would often use this for is, is both for writing and art and painting on and rope and sandals and, and boats and even baskets. So it was a, a very, very popular plant but it was used for a lot of different things. One of the things that that teaches us is that God can use anything for his will. God can use the most unlikely thing that's used for something completely over here. He can use that for your life. Could that be when you're out of work? Could that be when your heart is hurting? Could that be when finances are tough? Could that be when you, when you uh, have all kinds of hail damage? Whatever the situation is, God can still use that. Who would have thought that he would use a basket to save a nation? And yet he does. And now enter Pharaoh's daughter, who just happens to be down at the river washing herself at this exact moment. Circumstantial, by chance, coincidence, or God. So now according to the documents, this girl is reigning in Egypt. She is Pharaoh's only daughter at this current time, which means she gets the crown. You guys watch what goes on in, uh, overseas in Britain, right? You guys understand a little bit about royalty? She's next. She gets it. She is next in line. Pharaoh's only daughter. She is the heir. And then she has watched, literally, she has watched the Egyptian dynasty right before her eyes. She knows the dynasty of Egypt, all of the army members. She knows exactly what is before her. I don't know if it looked quite like this. Maybe the guy in the corner. But she knows the royalty and the power that comes with Egypt. She also knows at this point that the country's army and all of its money is almost dried up. She knows that her dad is in danger. She knows it's not happy faces anymore. There's some frowning. There's some sad. There's some worry going on. And she knows that her father is powerful and he's angry to the point of murder. And now Pharaoh's daughter doesn't just find a boy. She finds a Hebrew child, one that is a sworn enemy of the state. Someone that if, if he is found, an execution takes place. This baby could be the one to overthrow the government. This baby could be the one that Pharaoh is most scared of. This baby could be the one to rally the troops and the numbers and to do exactly your point. Pharaoh's daughter takes a tremendous 
risk in taking this little baby boy back to her palace. And so why does she do it? Why does she take the chance? Why does she risk everything for this little baby boy? Why doesn't she just try to adopt uh, this boy out to another family? Why does she take this child on, on to herself? If she wants to adopt, why doesn't she just grab one of the Egyptian boys? Because there's literally thousands of them lying around on the street, sitting on the corner, sitting on curbs, sitting on benches, waiting to be taken in by a family. What is it? Why doesn't she just adopt one of those? Why a Hebrew boy? And why, when she brings him back to the palace, does the Pharaoh allow her to keep him? And he goes against his counselors and his own irreversible edict to kill boys. Why does Pharaoh allow him to stay? The scriptures give us a lot of answers to some of these. Some of them we don't. We don't know the answers. We don't know why Pharaoh did certain things. We can assume that God worked on his heart, that God orchestrated the circumstances, that, that God ordained the Pharaoh's daughter to have just this exact boy as an adoptive dad. I believe that with all my heart with Luke and Seth, our twins, that I know out of all of the children all over the world that God handpicked Luke and Seth to be adopted by Sandy and I and because we needed them and he knew that those boys needed us. Does that mean it's easy all the time? No. It means it's hard a lot of the time. But God knew that he knew that he knew. And that idea of being adopted and brought into a family is one of the most special moments to reveal the heartbeat of God. Pharaoh's daughter immediately falls in love with this boy. Is, is Beth here? Is she out there? Can you get her? Just yell. She's only holding the baby. We're going to wait. So how was your week? Oh, look. Bet. Oh, come here, little buddy. This is Levi. Can I hold him? Okay. All right. Okay. Here. I need that. Oh, oh shh, 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 shh. Okay. Oh. You want to see everybody? Oh. This is little Levi. This is... Oh, yeah. Uh, this is Beth's foster grandson. And Levi was taken in by Beth's daughter. And he's a foster baby. He's a drug baby. Oh, I know, sweet boy. I know. Oh, I know. And if you think about Levi being a drug baby, a lot of people don't 
don't want him. He's fine. A lot of people don't want him. A lot of people would be scared of him. A lot of people would say maybe their lives would be completely disrupted because of him. And yet Beth's daughter and her husband and their family, they take him in and they love him and they pray over him and they feed him and they hold him. They leave him with Beth for a long time. <laughs> and who knows what will happen in Levi's life because he's taken in. Maybe the Holy Spirit comes on him and he ends up doing incredible things for the kingdom. If you remember the beginning of our story, the scriptures say, now a man of the house of Levi. We didn't plan this. <laughs> I'd be a great pastor if I planned this. <laughs> like a year in advance, can you make sure she fosters a baby named Levi? Because <laughs> I'm preaching to Moses. Um, this is a God thing. Yes. And Pharaoh's daughter, she sees this little baby in a basket and without thought, loves. Without thought of her own risk, without thought of her own danger, she does what the Spirit tells her to do. I wonder for you in, and I in our lives, when the Spirit of God tells us to do something, do we pause? Do we question it? Do we look at what maybe in what impact it might have on our life, what it might cost us financially, what it might cost us relationally, or do we act? And I believe without a doubt in my mind when Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket and noticed it was a baby boy, there was no pause. There was just love. There was care and there was concern. He is just the cutest thing in the world when he's not crying. <laughs> and that's what happens. And she falls in love immediately with this baby. And then she begins to prepare. I'm going to give him back to you. He's probably going to cry because he really likes me. <laughs> Here's Graham. falls in love. Christy's here with Toby. Aaron's here too. <laughs> he played a part. And uh, when, when Tobias was born, there's love. He didn't earn it. As Alex and, and Jack thoroughly explained last week, you kids uh, don't earn much of your love at all for a long time. We just give it. And even once you can earn it, you choose not to for some crazy reason. <laughs> but when they're a baby, and Toby's being held right there by Christy, there's an immediate love. There, you embrace, you, you care for, you provide for, you sing to, you, you make silly faces and sounds, and 
somehow you think that babies like that. This girl knows that she is Pharaoh's only and favorite child to this point. She's rumored to be beautiful. She's rumored to be very, very intelligent. She's rumored to be very well-spoken, but none of that is going to help her in this moment. And with her father's blessings, she raises Moses as if she were or he were her own natural child. It's what we're doing. It's what some of you in this room are, are doing as well. She provides Moses with the finest education that Egypt had to offer in geography and history and the fine uh, music of the day. Egyptian law, mathematics, writing, literature, philosophy. She just pours into this boy as if he were her own. She grooms him as a future leader and as a beloved son. And all of these accomplishments that were poured into Moses would not have been possible except for this crazy decision to adopt a Hebrew baby boy. It made no sense. Can you imagine? So here's how my, my mind kind of works when I'm sermon prepping. I just think sometimes about these mothers who raise these kids like Mary raising Jesus must have been super fun at times and totally awkward at times. Thinking about Moses, what his life is about to be. I'm sure he didn't do this, but Moses would not have become the educated, militaristic, powerful leader of the Hebrew nation and scribe of the Torah if it were not for the tutelage and love and caring and willingness to risk everything of this girl. But something had to happen for all of this to take place. Something in that moment had to take place. A decision had to be made in the blink of an eye to disobey her Pharaoh, her father, the authority of the government. And Pharaoh's daughter defies Pharaoh. We don't know what this daughter what this daughter was like otherwise. In that moment, when, when she took that baby, and I'm not kidding you, holding that little baby boy up here is, is super fun. We don't know what happened to her when she took that baby in her arms. You guys ever watch The Grinch? When his heart grew 10 sizes bigger? Okay, we don't know if her heart grew 10 sizes that day like The Grinch. Or if she were a normal person who recognized that there was just something bigger in this world. We don't know if she sat there and went, it doesn't matter if I have all of this stuff and yet there's people hurting. I'll just give it away. I'll, I'll serve. I'll love. I'll, whatever someone else needs. We don't really know. We can guess. Or if she was just a woman who wanted to raise a baby. Whatever it was, she looked down at this baby in this basket, not this one, and she realized that baby doesn't have a chance. And so she gave that baby a chance. She served and loved and cared for the least of these. 
when it would cost her everything. And she pulls him out of the water and she saves him. And she defied what was thought to be cool, and that is to obey the Pharaoh. She did what she knew she ought to do. As the worship team comes up, I want to I want to speak to preteen and teens just for a moment. And you're scattered all throughout the room. Sometimes when God wants you to do something, it's not cool. When God wants you to talk to that person on the other side of the room or in class that everyone else is kind of making fun of or standing away and not including them, that's not cool, and yet often God will prompt you to, to intervene. Sometimes God will prompt you to, to not participate in an activity um, because he doesn't want you there, and for you to remove yourself will not be cool. For you to not um, do something with a guy or a girl or to drink something or smoke th something will, will set you apart and, and put attention on you. And it's not cool. It's not normal. It's, it's not in the mix of, of culture. But I want, I want to encourage you to look at the big picture about life. As you make your decisions day in and day out, little kids in the room, when you're playing with friends, when, when you're uh, at school, when you're at home and, and your parents are speaking with you. Sometimes God is going to prompt you by his Holy Spirit to respond or act in a certain way. And you have a moment at that time to make a decision on are you going to follow what God is saying or are you going to do what's cool? And I want to look at the big picture. This story is, is super fun. It's a blast. It's heartfelt. It's scary. It's daring. There's all of these things going on. But Moses' story doesn't end there. This might not even be the most remarkable part of Moses' story. Moses is the single most important person in the history of Judaism. The single most, which might, to some, make him the most important person to Christianity outside of Jesus Christ. Consider this. If Moses isn't used by God, then how does God fulfill all of his promises? Who helps save God's people? Who helps deliver his people into the land that they're supposed to go? If Moses isn't used by God, then who does God give the Ten Commandments to? Because of one girl. One girl who obeyed. Five sentences. Girls in this room of all ages. God can use you to do remarkable things in this world. And you might never get notoriety. No one might ever know your name because of it. But you can do mighty, mighty things as you obey the Holy Spirit. Men in this room, 
It's hard growing up. It's hard becoming a man. But there comes a time when you look at yourself in the mirror and you decide there's going to be a fundamental shift. And you begin to take life very seriously. You begin to take the call that God has on your life very, very seriously. And it could be in just a blink of an eye, in a moment, where you choose to obey God's prompting and it changes the world. What we do here on a Sunday is, as Mark and the team lead us in worship, when, when we preach, when we throw out candy, when we do fun pig races, like this is great. It's fun. It's fun to have fun. It's fun to laugh. But it always brings us to a place where we have to make some decisions. I want to ask of you this week as you go about your week, how can you say yes, Lord, at every turn? As you hear his spirit speaking to your heart, how can you say yes, Lord, immediately? Not delay it, not justify it, not argue it, but in that moment, how can you jump in and just say yes? Let's pray together. God, we think about, um, think about this little baby. And when we hold Levi up here, it makes it kind of come to life, just holding him and, and having him uh, stare into my eyes. And, and he is completely dependent on the other for life, for cleanliness, for food, for protection, for love and comfort. He cannot do a thing. He's completely dependent. And you are providing for him because a young girl, Beth's daughter, said, yes, Lord. And because of that, he has hope. And we think about Moses and the life that he lived as a man. All of that might never have been had this young daughter of a very evil man if it weren't for her saying yes and taking this boy in as her own and for sure there were probably moments where it was hard but she loved and cared for him uh, as her own and then God that ultimately, ultimately reflects the scriptures that tell us you've adopted us as your own. Might, might not make sense. We give you a, a ton of reasons not to do that, and yet you, you adopt us in, you take us as your own. We, in this room and those listening online, we are your sons and daughters. And we ask that as we go about this week, that our hearts and our minds would be listening for uh, where you are speaking, where you are nudging, where you are encouraging us to say yes. And it might go against uh, conventional wisdom. It might not make sense to this world, but it, it, it could change the world. So help us to be obedient to that. So as we continue to worship God, I pray that you would uh, bring us into your presence. Help the words that we sing and, and speak be to bring glory to you. 
help us to hear exactly what you have to say. So we love you and, and we give you praise because you are worth it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand?